Welcome to a self-published author's diary. I am Elodie Novodatsky. I write about first time, second chances, things that scare the crap out of me and things that make me laugh out loud. I'll be speaking with you and sharing my adventures in self-publishing, the behind the scenes of writing and the business side of it. And before we get started today, a small message from our sponsor, Anchor. Thanks for listening. So today on the podcast, I am so happy to welcome contemporary romance author Mona Schroff. But before I do, let's talk a little bit about all the books that came out this week. There were a lot of them. Which ones did you get? Or requests from the libraries? I need to know. Please either send me a voicemail. There's the link in the episode's description. Or you can leave me a comment on my blog at www.elodinovodatsky.com. Or you can send me an email at authorelodinovodatsky at gmail.com. And what have you read recently? And what have you reviewed? I need to write two raving reviews for Cinderella is Dead and for Pretty Little Wife. Next week, I need to start the episode with I wrote the reviews. Yes, next week, I will release next week on Friday a new episode. I am not planning on releasing an episode this Tuesday. In terms of schedule, I will release episodes every Friday and then either every two weeks or every month on Tuesdays. Do not worry, I will continue to discuss my self-publishing adventures. Today after the chat, I'll quickly talk about time. How fitting. I am just about to start reading Wild Woman and the Blues by Denny S. Bryce. And I'm very excited about it. Before starting today's chat, I wanted to share with you the Books for Hope auction. The Kidlit community is coming together to raise money for the COVID crisis in India. You can bid on signed books, bookswag, editor and agent critics and more and help raise money for the UNICEF USA India COVID relief effort. The organizers are US-based children's book authors with roots in the Indian subcontinent. And there are a lot, a lot of items to be done, all for a good cause. The auction takes place from May 7th to May 9th. And all that information I just told you is from their website. And their website is www.booksforhope.org. So again, today for Future Friday, I am so, so happy to welcome Mona Schroff, contemporary romance author. She's the author of Then, Now, Always, and Then, There Was You. And do you want to win one of Mona's books? Um, you do. And <laughs> to enter the giveaway, you can just go on my website, www.elodinovodetsky.com, or there is the link in this episode's description. It's very easy to enter. And again, you could win one of Mona's books. I'm going to read to you the little bio from her Arlequin author page because she has an Arlequin author page. She's that cool. And um, from her website, Mona is obsessed with everything romantic. So she writes romantic stories by night, even though she's an optometrist by day. 
If she's not riding, she's making chocolate truffles, riding her bike or reading, and is just as likely to be drinking wine or gin and tonic with friends and family. She's blessed with an amazing daughter and loving son who have both gone to college. Mona lives in Maryland with her romance-loving husband. You can find her website at monadishroff.com and her last name is spelled S-H-R-O-F-F. And she has an Instagram and her Instagram handle is Mona Offer. Mona and I met several years ago. Um, during, I think it was the Baltimore Book Festival. We recorded our chat last week. And so we talked about the time she met Martha Stewart and almost met Matthew McConaughey, her writing process, receiving the calls from her agent and book deal, and how falling in love isn't the solution for all our characters' issues. It was a very, very enjoyable chat. I love talking to Mona. And yeah, I hope you enjoy it as well. Hi, Mona. Hi, Eleni. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be Thank here you. on your podcast. I know you're like the second. My, again, my husband will hear this and says, no, that she's the third. So yes, you are the third <laughs> guest in the podcast. Uh, but you're the second author because my husband is not a writer. So, And I was reading your website as I was preparing for this little chat of ours. And you're going to have to tell me about one of her claims to fame is a quick appearance on the Today Show in 2012 as a semi-finalist in the quest for the best homemade birthday cake contest. Yeah. What yeah. was that? <laughs> that was super fun. So just, you know, I, I've always done the cake baking in my house, like for nieces and nephews. It's just something that I... It was a creative outlet before I actually decided to get into writing. And I still like it as a creative outlet. I find it very relaxing and you end up with these sweet goodies and I like to experiment. So anyway, I was doing a bunch of cakes for a bunch of people, you know, our family members and friends and things. And on the Today Show, Natalie, that year, Natalie Morales turned 40. So they were doing this quest for a homemade bake, uh, homemade birthday uh -huh. cake. So all I had to do was enter literally the recipe and a picture. So I had done a 40th birthday cake for a friend of mine that was shaped like a champagne bottle. Not an upright one, but a laying down That's one. Cool. And, I, and then I did like mini cupcakes as like the bubbles that were coming out of it. I did 40 of them with like all like the years from when she was born. And it was kind of cute. And it was a fun cake. Like It was chocolate. It had brownie in it and whatever. So I just submitted that and lo and behold, literally like two weeks later, the an intern called me and was like, hey, you're a finalist. Would you like to come to the Today Show? And I was like, what? Like, this is crazy. So it was me and these two other women. One was a woman like two, we were the same age and one was a young girl. She was just in college at the time, Emily. And um, the other woman's name was Kathy and they transported you so I took the they paid for me me and my cake to get on a train um to New York and then um they put us up so that afternoon when we got there we were able to go into the kitchen and like decorate so you had to bake your cake ahead of time and then you could do all your decoration you had like all afternoon to like decorate right so we decorated our cakes together so the kitchen is new now because they just redid it but before they redid it that was the actual kitchen that we were in and it looks 
it's kind of small, but the three of us managed it. And we decorated our cakes and left them there. And then the next morning, they did Lillard did our hair and makeup. Like, we got our hair and makeup done. That was, honestly, that was, like, the funnest thing. <laughs> and then we got to wait in, like, the green uh-huh. room. And I will tell you, that day, Matthew McConaughey was there. Mm-hmm. But he must have his own green room because he, didn't, he wasn't in my room. <laughs> <laughs> and interestingly enough, also, Janet Ivanovich was wow. there, too. Um, which was fun to have an author there, too, that I had read. And then they called us out, and we had a surprise judge. And then the three of us were on. Like, we had our the cakes were there, and we just went and stood by our cakes. And we had to make a little cake for the judge to ta- taste, you know? And the judge ended up being Martha Stewart. Wow. Yeah. So Martha Stewart comes out with Natalie. And we were literally on for, like, 15 minutes, all three of us. And they, you know, Martha and Natalie came up, and we chatted with them about what was in our cake, a couple of things, each person. And then they tasted the cakes. And then Martha picked a winner, and she picked the young girl. Her name uh-huh. is Emily. So Emily was, like, the, the winner, so she got the trophy. But the three of us remained, like, Facebook friends, like, for a long time. Like, I still would ask them baking tips, and Emily's now married, and you know, Kathy's out there and they still put post pictures of their beautiful cakes and stuff. I still bake, but I don't do as much elaborate stuff as I did because now writing takes up yeah. my time. Um, but that was my claim to fame on the Today That Show. is like, cool. But now I have to, like, before I dive into some other questions, I'm wondering, have you ever thought about writing something, you know, like that about going to the Today Show and then, I don't know, the judge is love interest and then something happens or <laughs> I'm thinking about it now now that you <laughs> I mean I, I would definitely read that so <laughs> yeah you know what that's actually uh you, you know my uh the not the book I'm writing right now but the one after that there is a pastry chef mm. and a and a and a chef that those are my two characters and I could definitely incorporate that in there or just use it someplace else. Yes, yeah. write a short, like write a, a no, like I'm just going to add to your probably overwhelming to-do list, but write a novella, like just a, a day, like you make it a day. It's like a 24-hour thing. They, met, they meet in the train as they go to New York and then maybe she or he doesn't know that the one is the judge. Like you can make something out of it. Oh, yeah, that's really good. <laughs> No, that's actually really good. Thank you for that idea because I hadn't even really – I've never done a novella, but that would be like a good – Like a 24-hour thing, you know, like kind of yeah. like start – maybe yeah. they don't like each other in the train and then poof, they fall for it. Yeah. Anyways, um, <laughs> going back to – I started asking about um, pen names and I was wondering, first of all, how do you pronounce your author name and do you use a pen name? You don't have to get into details if you do. No, I my name is my name, and it's uh, Mona Shroff. Uh-huh. I don't use a pen name. I just I just write as myself. Have you thought about using a pen name in the past? You know, when I when I first got my contract, so then I had to put in there like what my pen name would be. I did think about it, and I kind of asked some friends, and they were like, "But Mona Shroff is a good name," and I didn't. I don't like work for the government. You know, what I mean, I don't have like a, a I I I'm an eye doctor by day. But I don't have like that kind of job where I I have to sort of like be on the sly about what I'm like about romance writing or anything yeah. like that, you know. Um, so I didn't need to cover up who I was, and so I was just like, people already like have access to my name and me because of my day job, so I'm not running from anything. Um, so I I just kept it. Now I have thought about like if I write a different yeah. genre, 
I would just change my name just for that branding, like that genre sake. What um, genre? Did you have any the, genre in mind or just in general? So I have this, this seedling. I have a little short story that's like a thriller mm. in my head. Not romance at uh-huh. all. Like a horror thriller, kind, which is really interesting because I don't even like to read those. <laughs> But I had to do it for a, a short, uh, short story contest that I entered. They made, they gave me the genre of thriller, and I put some thought into it, and um, it came out not bad. And it actually has the potential to be it. Like my son is just like, you need to write this book. It'd be so cool. But it's so opposite of what, like that good happy feelings <laughs> that we get from romance. That I don't know. But if I did write a thriller, it would be under a different name. Okay, that's that's interesting. I think it's Alisa Cole. She writes. Um, I haven't read her latest. No one is watching, but I think it's more mm-hmm. three. Like I, I don't think there is any romance in it, but I'm not quite sure. And she otherwise, you know, she writes the the romance. I know she used her same name, but then you have Darby Kane, Ellen Kay. She uses mm-hmm. two different names for her romance and her thriller, like different branding. Yeah. So yeah. Same as um, Nora does That's that true. too, right? Yeah. Nora, Nora. I like yeah. how you say Nora because you had a signing with yeah. Nora Roberts. I did. I did. Oh, my God. And I would have loved to have had it. Of course, it would have been fun to do it again. But um, Nora Roberts was my first signing. Which is, I mean, I was so excited for you. I wish I could have gone. It's like, it's it's one of those things. My husband has been looking at her in for like at some point maybe doing like just going and like. Yeah. It's just, it's just yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was very cool. All right. In a few words, what is the most challenging part about the book you're currently working on and the one you most recently published? And what do you love about the book you're currently working on and the one you most recently published? So I'm currently working on two, right? So I'm drafting one. So that's due. And then I'm editing my third book. And the one I most recently published is Then There Mm -hmm. Was You. And so the most challenging thing I think about Then There Was You was that it does deal with some really heavy topics. And one of the topics is um, the loss of a child. So basically it's like, and and it's a father. I I dealt with the, so it's the hero. So it's the father's grief. And what was interesting was when I Googled to find articles or even like places to go um, as a father to get therapy or find out like how to deal with your grieving, there really wasn't much. I came up with this small book that I, a father who had lost actually two children, he wrote a book and, um, that was my guide actually in, in creating that, in creating Daniel's grief. Um, and I, so I did find that extremely challenging because I wanted to do it right. Like I yeah. didn't want to exploit anything. Thing. I didn't want to, I didn't want to make it seem trivial in any way, of course, because it's not, so it's a really heavy topic. So I very much treaded carefully, I think, um, as carefully as I could, but still wanted to sort of deal with the fact that he has these things that he has to deal with. So that was challenging for that one. For my next book that comes out, which I'm editing the challenging part was, I mean, it's always doing that research, but the most challenging of any process for me is this initial draft. So the book I'm writing right now is the initial draft. And it's, I don't know, like you just sat here and you gave me like three plot <laughs> stories. And I'm like, oh my God, I've had this Today Show thing in my life for 10 years. It never occurred to me to be like, hey, 
maybe that's a plot point, right? I, that is the hardest part for me is to pull things like out of thin air. And my friends, uh, my writer friends must get tired of me because I'm like, I need to brainstorm again. I need to brainstorm again. I Hello, I need to brainstorm again. But I think like the brainstorming, and if you ever need any help for brainstorming too, that's something I really enjoy doing. And I think it helps. I mean, talking from the other side of like trying to help somebody else's brainstorm, because for my own work, like I get stuck. It's much easier to brainstorm for me, for somebody else's story <laughs> than it is for yeah. mine. So, But at the same time, it gets like... It, it gets the creative flow also going, I think, at least for me, when I can brainstorm for somebody else, like it gets my own creativity mm -hmm. a bit moving and, and flowing and, and trying to go. So, oh. so that is helpful. But yeah. so are you more character driven than in your stories than you are action driven? I think so. And I think that's part of the reason I really like romance is because it's very character driven. And I think... I think what I'm learning about my process, because I still feel like I'm very new at this, what I'm learning about my process is that when I don't really know who my characters are, that is when I have I get stuck. Yeah. It takes me a long time to really figure out who they are. And sometimes it takes just actual writing. Like, even if you might not use the words, like, you know, just writing scenes and just starting it sometimes And then I start to get a feel for who they really are. And then the words start to flow. And then I, and then I do need help. Like then, then sometimes the plot points yeah. come because now I know who they are. I now, I know where, I, and we know where we want to end up, right? H-E-A, right? So how am I going to get them there in sort of a satisfactory way for me and myself and for my readers as well? So I think I'm very much character driven. And, and if I know, if I know how they're going to react and where they've come from and everything. And I don't have a trick for that. You know, I've, I've tried sort of the character mm -hmm. sheets and that is not a bad way to go, but I don't know that that necessarily works for me. I think what actually works for me, sadly, is just time writing, 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 and then being, Oh, I guess they're not doing this or they are doing this and then delete and then writing, you know, is just end time. End so time. that's was actually, that's, that's a great segue for my next question because Now you're under contracts, right? Like you have, you have, so it's very different when we first met, you were still drafting then now always. I think that was the book you were actually drafting. And I know it's like your process then was also like, not, I don't want to say like, it doesn't, it's not that it takes, well, I guess it does take time, like that it does take the time to get the, the, the characters and the plots and everything But now that you're under contract, how do you, like, has your pre process changed or how do you handle, like, having that timeline? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's a really, really good question. No, you know, I think that, um, you know, when I first started this, I really wanted it to be a job. You know, like, this is sort of the second half of my, the second part of my life. And I've just been treating it like a job. So I still have my day job a couple of days a week. My kids are grown and gone to college and, and all of that. So we just have our little doggy. And um, my husband is actually working like a, a day or so less in the office now too. So he's home more. So I've sort of shifted some of those certain responsibilities that I used to do to him so that I really do write almost every day even on the weekends when I'm on deadline and that kind of thing. And sometimes I'm not actually writing. I'm just contemplating like who this character yeah. is or whatever. So I think part of um, being on contract 
I think what helps me is that I am actually in a position where this can really be a job now for me. So I'm able to, I have the time to put forth um, that, that it's going to take and, and to do all of that. So right, you know, what I am learning is for the first time, I am now juggling edits of one book and drafting of another book. So I'm, I'm, I'm juggling two different couples. Um, and I know some people do that with ease, but I'm struggling a little bit, but I'm learning, I'm trying to figure, figure it out. Right. So when I sit down with Rhea and Dylan, which is what I'm editing, I have to get back into their heads and it's a little easier because I already know them pretty well. And it's the, the words are already on the page and I'm just changing things around. And then I have to be able to shut that up. So work on it for a couple hours and shut it off. Sometimes I take a break and like do something for 10, 15 minutes, play with the dog. And then I want to come back and then I have to think about Nikhil and Anita, which is the book that I'm drafting and where they are, because I'm not really sure who they are and I'm still working that out. So I'm finding that literally walking away from the computer, taking a mental break and doing something else and then and then hitting up the next couple is actually what helps rather than just like shutting that document and opening another document like it's too much yeah. for me. Um, so I think it's a learning process like anything else, you know, and there is a, de- a deadline and a timeline, which, you know, it took me eight years to write them now always because, you know, it didn't matter. I just wrote it and wrote it and wrote it. I, I mean, I so. do think that the the deadline and timeline, I mean, that does sometimes put you in a different mindset where you know you have to do it. And it's not that maybe for then, then now always you also needed that process in terms of like getting the story on the page, you know, like changing your process and the way you're working. I mean, it, it, does, it does happen the more you go, at least I think. Um, yeah. I used to have a tendency to scrap Like I used to write a novel and pretty much having to start from scratch because Mm -hmm. the first draft that I was putting was just me trying to get to know the characters. And I was realizing at the end of my draft that, okay, great. I slightly know them better, but there's so much still that I need to rework. And I can't do that anymore as much because I'm trying to, you know, publish. I haven't published a book since 2019, an original story so mm-hmm. i i'm trying to change the like hey let's not write an entire novel as part of my process let's start to like mm-hmm. you know organize my thoughts a little bit before about what the, who the characters are but i can totally hear you when it comes to like i need to know who they are before i can tell their story and for me it, it takes time too like i i can't they just don't come on the page already like fleshed out no they don't they don't and so this book that I'm drafting, I signed the contract in December, but I was still writing the other book and, um, it's due, um, June 15th. Whoa. <laughs> uh, and you know, it's May. And, um, but I, I, I'm just, I'm just holding out faith that once I actually really, I'm just, I'm writing them. Um, and as I'm writing them, I'm getting to know them. And then I think that what it is, it's just going to be a matter of, um, and I'm lucky because I have that luxury of like, I can pull time from anywhere at this point, you know, knocking out those words once I really, and I'm knocking out words and I'm making progress. And I know that, I know that I'm making progress because I'm like, oh, this would be a great plus to go here. So, but I'm just going to write the words, even though it's out of, and I don't write in order. Yeah. I don't always write don't in order. Either. Yeah. Like if I have like the idea for their happily ever after, then I'll write that. And I'll put it in, you know, I put it aside and then I, and then it helps me to know where I'm going. So, you know, I have my computer with me everywhere. I take it to the office and if I have time in between patients, like 
I'm typing away whatever I can um, to get to know these. And that's how I did like Sam. When I wrote Sam, then now always I had young children. So soccer practice, dance practice, you know, it, the computer was always there. They were always with me. And I, and I had such a big learning curve with them. Like I remember my first thing that I wrote and I submitted it for a class. It came back and it was like red. And I was like, oh, you know, and like I'm head hopping like every other sentence. I didn't even know what head hopping was. The teacher's like, it's head hopping. And I had to like Google it. I'm like, I don't even know what that yeah. means. Oh, then I learned about point of view. So, you know, it was, there was such a huge learning curve with that one. And then also with the, my, the book that just came out with Daniel and Annika's book, another, I had a couple of years to work on that one as well. And still a good learning curve. So the third book that's coming out, Rhea and Dylan, that's probably the first book that I wrote like hard on contract. Okay. Like I knew it yeah. had to get done. Like I did a proposal and then it was, it was due in like six or eight months or something. Right. And I managed it. And that's, and that is one thing that does help me as I'm drafting and I'm fr so frustrated sometimes. I'm like, well, you've done it three times already. So, you know, it's you possible. It and every time you did it, you hit this point. Right. And so, you know, you can. So I try to just ignore the dead, like not ignore the deadline, but I can't be panicked about it. I just have to do what I'm doing in this moment. I mean, it seems I, I don't want to like I'm knocking on woods, but it seems to be working. Right. I mean, that's your third book coming out. So, I mean, it, it is. And you have more, like you said, you had, you have this one and then you have more on, under contract, right? Yeah. So I have the third one that I wrote is on contract with HQN. Yeah. And then the next two that I wrote that I'm, well, the, the fourth and fifth books are with special edition, Harlequin special edition. Can you tell me just a sentence about Harlequin special edition, what that is? Well, so Harlequin Special Edition is um, one of the category romances in Harlequin. And Special Edition is basically about, like, the families as well as the couple. And it incorporates, like, all of that. So it's kind of what I've written for HQN, but less words. Okay. Because I was going to say it seems very familiar to the themes that you have already. So Yeah. Yeah, I think it's similar to the themes that I write already. So I, I didn't have to hit any new parameters or anything. It's just um, HQN. I mean, I guess for the writers who are listening, so HQN is about an eighty-five to ninety thousand word contract, yeah. and um, special edition is sixty. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Have you ever thought about self-publishing? No. I have. I have. I think I and I. I seriously thought about self-publishing in the beginning, when that now always wasn't necessarily getting picked mm -hmm. up. Um, and that's why I had started writing Daniel and Annika's story because I thought, well, if Then No Always doesn't get picked up by a tra traditional publisher, I can always self-pub that and I can shop Daniel and Annika around and maybe that's the book that'll get picked up. I think I really always wanted traditional publishing, but as I got to know you and other and other uh, friends of mine, uh, ours, that are indie publishing or even hybrid, um you know, I opened my mind a little bit more to that possibility and I'm still not, I'm still not closed to that yeah. possibility. I yeah. mean, um, I, I, I think there's a place for it. I know it's a lot of work, so I don't know. It's, I, I won't, I wouldn't rule it out. I would certainly consider it maybe for that thriller. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm kind of very curious about that thriller. So, I mean, if you want to share anything else at some point, just let me know. So prior to this episode, you had recorded for me, thank you again, three words about writing. And you mentioned love, fun, and challenge. And I'm wondering, and I will play your answer right now. Hi, my name is Mona Schroff, and I write contemporary romance. 
I currently have two books out. The first one, my debut, was Then Now Always, and my current one out is Then There Was You. I am currently working on a third book for HQN and two more books for the special edition line at Harlequin. And when I think of writing, the three words that come to mind are love, fun, and challenge. I can't wait to talk to you, Elodie. I look forward to our time together. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. But so I'm wondering, what is the most challenging and the most fun about writing? And we touched about the process a little bit when it comes to challenging, but do you have anything else that you find challenging and what you find fun about writing? Well, let's go to fun first. Fun is just... I mean, I think like a lot of us who write, like we have been able to manipulate words since we were children, right? Like writing stories or whatever we were doing. Um, and I always, always loved being able to kind of paint a picture or create a scene just with words. Like that to me is the most, it's challenging, but it's the fun challenge of it. So that editing process, I absolutely love. Once I've gotten that first draft down, um, I could edit forever and just try to evoke an emotion. Like I love bringing out being that challenge of making my reader feel something just by the use of my words. Right. And I'm always, always amazed by, um, the authors who do it so well, you know, like I always read, I read books and I'm like, you know, I, I only read in English right now. And, um, I'm always amazed by the fact that I'm like, I have the same access to the same words you have access to and you put them together so beautifully. And so that to me is the fun and the challenge of it. Like I love what, and when I do it successfully, like when I have reviewers who come back and tell me, they're like, Oh, you made me cry or you made me fall in love with them. Like I feel so good because I'm like, okay, I gave you an escape. Like I, I, I was able to evoke that emotion. So check box box done. So I, I love that. I've always enjoyed doing that. And to me, that is the, that is just a really fun thing to do. And the challenge is that's the fun challenge. And then the hard challenge is, is, is like I said, it's putting down that draft. And also, you know, I, so far I've dealt with a few touchy issues. I mean, I'm trying not to shy away from harder issues. I do tend to shy away from that conflict, you know, a little bit, but I, I'm, I'm trying not to, I'm trying to grow and I'm trying to add that in. So that's a challenge for me is to be like, okay, here's a hard topic. Just stick with it and see what you can do. Right. You know, like be sensitive, but don't shy away from it just because it's a hard, it's a hard topic. And, th and that's what you want to investigate because it's nice if I can learn something about myself or about other people and what they're going through um, as I'm writing. So I think, you know, that if you want to be a good writer, I think that, you know, I think you have to sort of delve into those areas that you're not comfortable with. And I'm not comfortable doing that, but it's time. Yeah. And it's also, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but also like the fact that we're writing romance, it kind of helps also to, like in the book I'm currently writing, the, the, um, I have a line about like everybody deserves, you know, like, um, redeeming love or something. Like, Even if you go through hard topic or through hard subjects or, you know, I think I have like one of the 
the dad of the main character has is addicted at some point in his life and he has like an addiction and i'm kind of like you know don't it should not be defining him for everything and it's kind of like i guess with romance it helps to also you shine a light on those hard topics and then just remember that every person deserves love <laughs> and mm-hmm. i think it at, at least for me to be able to see it in that you know in that light as well so that every like the romance hero doesn't have to be doesn't have to not have gone through hard times or to have different things happening to him or her or all my characters go to therapy all of them <laughs> it's it's on the page they go to, right. they go to therapy <laughs> right i think and honestly i feel like this is starting to become a thing for me because it wasn't in the first book but in the second book they go through therapy i think in the third book there is therapy <laughs> And I believe I'm going to make these left couple go to therapy. <laughs> it's just like they, they go like the main the, the hero in the in the book I'm currently revising. He's kind of like, you know, my therapist in the first chapter and just trying to maybe it's not normalizing. It's maybe just talking about it instead of. And, and I think it's also like I think because I think we're also at that point where we don't want the fact that. Just because you fall in love doesn't mean that all your issues are handled. You fall in love with that person. I think that's a wonderful thing. And now you have this wonderful support system. But it doesn't mean, you know, for Daniel, he hasn't dealt with his grief. That's the whole thing. That's his art, right? He hasn't dealt with his grief. Then he falls in love and he thinks everything's fine. But it really isn't. Because he hasn't, still hasn't dealt with it. It's it's a good step that he's taking that he's able to love this woman and receive her love. Like, good for you. But your problems aren't gone. Yeah. Right. You have to deal with that. And I think that's why we're that's why we do that. I think that, you know, that's why I felt the need to put the therapy in there, because I'm like, you have to deal with your issues. She isn't magic. Yeah. And you're right about that. It has a lot to do with with the fact that not one person like that one person is not going to be the only thing that a defines you and b becomes your like savior in a way and like everything is magically erased Mm -hmm. and you're fine and you don't need to talk about the fact that you had issues no you're right and that's the thing i mean so i think there's that it's not a fairy tale happily ever after it's we i think we try to write like a more of like a real happily ever after where they're real people um and i think it makes it more believable and more satisfying in that way when they're actually dealing with their issues in a healthier manner by the end of the book at least right if they don't start out that way at least by the end they're heading in the general direction yeah yeah you're right and i think that's why about second chance romance which your first book was also about second chance romance about how sometimes those characters when they find each other again they still have to grow up but they still have that basis that and i know in your first book i mean they had quite a few hurdles to get through first but <laughs> a, a few yeah. lies here and there oh. <laughs> yes yeah. everybody, everybody lies in that book but you know what it's in real life people lie <laughs> and if they didn't lie to each other there wouldn't really be a <laughs> um but you know but I, I what i tried to do was at least make their lies believable in the sense that you understand why they're lying like as the reader like you see why they're that why you know it's not just lying because they're malicious people it's lying because they're insecure or they they 
they're scared, they're, they're afraid, or they don't trust, um, I mean, because of these other issues that they have from where they've come from. Which they from. need, like, yeah, it's the fear, I think the fear factor, and that's one of the things for working out, as we were talking about right before, about working out, you know, the the past and the issues you may have, and so that you can grow, again, it's not by that one person, it's just by dealing with the entire whole thing. Yeah. Which is why I like to write about the families because everybody's <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so I have one last question. If I find it, which was yeah. actually I, I remember it, which was about um, when you're thinking about your writing career so far. What is one moment that every time you think of it, you smile? I mean, do I have to only? Be you can one? tell me more than one. <laughs> so I think um, honestly. When I got that email from my agent the first time, so I what had happened was I had uh, done live pitching at a retreat to a, a, an agent from Bookends Literary, and I had done a Twitter pitch um, thing to who, a woman who's my current agent, but she was with a different agency when I pitched to her, but by the time she read it and everything, she was with the same agency with the woman I'd pitched to at my retreat. So now both of them are at the same agency and they both have my manuscript and they both liked it. So the first one called me and emailed me and she's like, this is what has happened. We both have your manuscript, but now Rachel works at this agency. Only one of us are going to take it and Rachel's going to be the one to take it. And she's going to be the one to give you the call. So I think when I read that, that email, I think I had to read it three times. Because after a while, I stopped comprehending the words, and I, I think I, I think I like said it, I showed it to my husband, and I was like, "Can you read that and tell me? Does that say that there's an agent that's going to call me for like representation? Is that what it is?" So that was probably that's the time that I just think about all the time. And then the second one is when my agent called me to tell me that not only did I have a contract, but that HQN wanted then now always and whatever else my second book was they wanted two books they didn't want just the one they wanted two and they didn't even know what the second one was going to be yet and they just wanted it and i and i i think my agent was underwhelmed with my reaction because <laughs> i didn't even know what to say i i was i was i'm like i promise you i'm excited but i'm so confused right now like they want two books they don't even know what the second one is but that's what the, so that makes me very happy every single time. And then, of course, the first time I saw my book yeah. live, RWA, the first time I saw my book live. Um, and that never gets old. I did it. I just, you know, when I did unboxing of Then There Was You at Home, it's still incredible. And I can't imagine that that would ever get old. But yeah, every time I think about gaining representation and then hearing the fact that I was going to have a two book contract, I just, you know, it's those times where you feel like, I can't do this. What am I doing? And then you think about that and you're like, okay, let's just continue. Let's, yeah. <laughs> let's just continue. Those yeah. are pretty yeah. amazing moments. I mean, that's, that's yeah. exciting. Especially, I think, well, I mean, both, the, how far apart were those two, like the, the Rachel and the Arlequin? A year. That's, and that's like, that's also pretty awesome in terms of timeline. It's pretty fast. It's pretty, it is, it's faster. It is pretty fast. And I, at the time it feels, it feels long, horribly slow, but yeah, it was actually almost exactly a year because I signed, I, uh, I got Rachel's call in June and then I got 
Brittany's call in June as well. This is mm-hmm. this is just congratulations, yeah. Mona, because it's just great. So the ending was a bit abrupt, but that's because um, I had asked Mona to re-record something, like I had forgotten um, to ask her something. And then we chit-chatted after the chat, and that's when we said goodbye. And so that's why the goodbye is kind of like abrupt at the end of the chat. So I really, really enjoyed talking to Mona. This has been, I mean, it was great to catch up, but I also love talking, writing with her and publishing and listening to that baking story. I mean, it's just awesome. And she has so many projects and also talking about, you know, the romance writing part where romance is definitely, you know, because we write romance, it's a very, very important part, crucial part, vital part of the story. Um, but it might not be the only thing that the character needs in order to go through their so-called arc, so their character journey. It's it, it was very interesting. So I hope you enjoyed it as well. Don't forget, I have a giveaway for Mona's book, um, one of Mona's books, and you can enter it, and it's going to be running for two weeks. So go ahead, and don't forget to do that. Next week on the podcast i will have katie upperman katie is the author of kissing max holden the impossibility of us and how the light gets in i have a short preview of that that i'm going to share with you right now and after that little preview i will talk to you about what has been going on in my writing and self-publishing for in the past week Hi, my name is Katie Upperman. I am a wife and a mom. I am a book lover and I am an author. I write books for teens and teens at heart and it is the best job ever. My three published books are called Kissing Max Holden, The Impossibility of Us, and How the Light Gets In. And when I think of writing, the three words that come to mind are creativity, therapeutic, and community. So Elodie, thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to talk to you more soon. So this has been a pretty busy week on my side. Oh, and before I start with that, so Katie, who you just listened to in that little introduction, she is actually one of my critic partners and a very dear friend. So I am also very excited to share that chat that we are going to be recording in a few days. And it will be again on the podcast next Friday. So going back to my week, it has been pretty busy. And while I made progress on my revision, I haven't made as much progress as I wanted to. So I think we all have those types of weeks, right? So Mona shared on her Instagram today, which is May 6th, a repost from Emily Duval, which said, respect your writing time. And that's something we had discussed with El Penelope last week on planning that writing time. So I've been doing Pomodoro's 25 minutes and then a short break. And I think that if I start talking in Pomodoro's, like when I do my to-do list and everything, instead of saying I will do something for an hour and then I say I'm going to do something for two Pomodoro's, it does work better. So I'm also going to cut off some writing time this weekend. And when it comes to publishing, I am going to be publishing the bilingual, the second part of the bilingual version of Always Second Best and 
eine zweite Chance, which is always second best in German. And I'm also going to be uploading the eine zweite Chance manuscript on Amazon because it's releasing very soon on Amazon. And I mean, you can buy it anywhere if you speak German, if you're learning German, go for it. And I also just um, talked to Megan, my narr like the narrator, she's not my narrator, but the narrator of Fear Me, Fear Me Not, See Me, See Me Not, and a summer like Noirva, Megan Carter. And she is going to um, record the English version for the bilingual versions of One Dream Only. So I'm going to have One Dream Only in German English, and she's taking care of the English part for the bilingual version. So this is very, very, very exciting to have some audiobooks as bilingual audiobooks as well. So thank you again so much for subscribing, following, rating, sharing the world, not the world, the world, the world with the world <laughs> about a self-published author's diary, my podcast, and To the, writers out, to the writers out there, happy writing. And to everybody, happy reading. Talk to you soon.